Hey guys, and welcome again to another episode of the Hope Sessions podcast. Today I've got a special episode, and the topic of today's episode is before slash after the ring. And today's Ooh. guests are incredible friends. I really, really can't say enough high praise about these people. They're phenomenal people. Jordan and Chelsea Cassidy, they're, they're youth pastors over in Geneva in Switzerland, a strange place I know, but we're going to get to know about these people today, right? I can't wait for it. I'm buzzing. I can't contain the excitement. Um, I just want to say this. So I'm going to hand it over to you. Jordan and Chelsea, guys, I am absolutely honoured and privileged to be in your presence today over Zoom for this podcast. How are you guys doing? We're pretty chill, bro. Yeah, pretty we're chill. doing well. Awesome. Good to be here. I'm excited to be on your podcast. I yeah. mean, we've been representing you here in Geneva for a while, so. It's awesome. At least you got the contract I sent over anyway, the terms and conditions. <gasps> Sorry, I wasn't supposed to say that on Zoom, was I? <laughs> a pay raise there, Jerry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Must be something wrong with Revolut there. So I'll have a word with you off the camera about that. <laughs> but no, for real, do you know what? Before we get into it, I just want to take a moment and say... Um, Jordan has, uh, for the, a lot of you guys that don't know, Jordan is my first Christian friend, and he became my friend when I was 17, so I'm 17, 20, 26, so Jordan has been my friend for about nine years, and I, and I mean this honestly, man, right, there's not enough Instagram posts that I could share to, to publicly honour and esteem the brother and the man of faith you are, the friend, the many a times that we've had those late night conversations, man, where I've had questions that are just so heavy on my mind and you've just come in with the word, man. You've just encouraged me. You've always, you've supported me even when people didn't really understand the mission and the ministry that God was calling me to with spoken word and stuff like that. I mean, and, I, and I'm delighted to be able to say it in front of your wonderful wife. Chelsea, you're awesome. You really are. Um, and I want to share this because I remember uh, the first time I met you, it was around Christmas time. Jordan invited me over to his house and it was me, Isaac, you and Jordan were there. And I was like, oh, it's Jordan. Jordan was telling me all about this girl, Chelsea. She's from America. I was like, oh, I, I had a stereotypical mindset of what an American girl was. Like, they were a head wrecker. Just, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. And, and, and when I met you, um, I was like, this girl is, is not the typical American that I'm used to knowing or hearing about. And I thank God for that. You were awesome. Yeah. I think the best way, hey, Praise, praise God, man. God is doing an awesome thing. But even to honor you, Chelsea, um, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, I, I can't say this about a lot of people I know, but I can definitely say it about you. The way you use social media to make much of Jesus, to encourage the church, to highlight issues that are going on in our world from a Christian perspective is the best I know by a, by a long shot. And thank you for using social media in a fruitful way for the gospel and, and, and be always being about other people and not inward focused because it's awesome to see. I love clicking onto your stories because I know that it's always going to be a couple of things, encouragement, honoring people, highlighting world problems or a, a particular book that you're reading, which I think is awesome because I read books as well. Behind me in that book, I just got loads of books. That thing is full. So I'm going to be digging into that over the next couple of months. Um, Lord willing, if I can create time in my forever changing schedule. But yeah, enough of the honoring, um, because we're going to keep that mindset out throughout the throughout the course of this podcast. Um, 
the best way to do this is, if any of you know, we're going to do a rapid fire round, okay? Sound good? Good me. Yeah. But there's a twist. I don't know. <laughs> right? So usually when I have a guest on, a rapid fire round is with the guest in front of me and I'll just ask them a series of questions. But Jordan, I'm going to ask you rapid fire questions about Chelsea. And Chelsea, I'm going to ask you rapid fire questions about Jordan. And depending on how well you both do, there might be some intense fellowship happening for you both at the end of the day. Oh, no. All right. <laughs> awesome. Uh, ladies first, Chelsea, are you ready? You just said me I first. guess so. I guess I'm ready. But before I say I'm ready, I just want to say, because I didn't get to say thank you. Thank you for that encouragement that mm. you just shared about mm. us. Yeah. Because honestly, you are one of our sincerest friends. Mm -hmm. You have friends and then you have friends that you know you can go to for anything mm -hmm. and who you can actually depend on. Yeah. And you're just one of those faithful and true friends yeah. in our lives. And we really appreciate having you in our life. And we feel blessed yeah. by your friendship. Absolutely. Anyways, I'm ready, I guess, I think. <laughs> no pressure, Chelsea, okay? I didn't intend for the intense fellowship to happen. If it happens, great. If not, great. Amen. Chelsea, I give a boxing glove. Uh, why need a boxing glove when you can get the real effect with the right hand? Huh? <laughs> right. Uh, Chelsea, what is Jordan's favorite meal? Ooh, I'd say curries. Okay. Any Indian curries. He also likes Thai, but Indian curries are definitely his favorite. Okay. On the flip side of that, what's his least favorite meal? She knows. She knows. Actually, there's a few of them. There's one particular. There's there's one that he says that he doesn't dislike, but every time I make it, he always makes a comment, and that's chili. He doesn't like chili. Okay. Um, another thing is anything with a lot of carrots in it, he doesn't like, and he also doesn't like what is that vegetable called? Um, parsnip. So anything with parsnip in it. Great. However, I do like carrots, just not tons of them. But yeah. yeah. Like yeah. carrots. <laughs> yeah. As a disclaimer note, I don't like vegetables, full stop. Unless there's ketchup on it. it yeah, eh. But it, this is weird. I like potatoes and I like carrots once it's in a stew, a casserole, a cottage pie, that kind of a thing. If it's on its own, it's just too dry. It's like I have to put some ketchup on that just to give me some flavor. Gravy. When you come over here, we'll change your mind on that. Or you'll go on a diet, a fast for a week. I don't know. It'll go either way. <laughs> I might have to reschedule that trip. <laughs> I'll, I'll buy chicken fingers and like little potato wedges okay. that you can throw in the oven. She's not the captain of the ship, so <laughs> don't worry, my friend. I got you. Amen. Right, back to the rapid fire round because I'll start going down rabbit trails, right? Chelsea, what is Jordan's favorite sport? Favorite sports to play or to watch? She knows me. Do you know what? Let's do both, considering you're trying to catch me up with that question. His favorite sport to play and his favorite sport to watch. I would say his favorite sport to play as of recently would be basketball, but his favorite sport to watch is tennis. <laughs> yes, I know. It's tennis. It's the only one that he actually will like go back. He may not want everyone to think it's tennis. Oh, I don't tennis. It's tennis. Rugby is still my number one to watch. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Debatable. Right. Debatable. Is, is Jordan a morning person or a night person? 
night person. He wants to be a morning person, but he's not. He sets his alarm for like 7.30 or 8, but then he like gets out of bed at 9.30 or 10. So he wants to be a morning person. He's making the effort, but not yet. Let's say night. Awesome. <laughs> what is Jordan's favorite music genre? He likes hip hop and rap, both of them. Yeah. What is Jordan's? And gospel. Oh, sheesh. What is Jordan's favorite clothing brand? Oh, that I actually have no idea. Your favorite? Oh, Jerry's, obviously. <laughs> obviously. It's a no-brainer, but wear it all the time. Actually, that is true. He wears his hoodie almost every Saturday. I actually love this hoodie. And it's I love the back of it. It's starting to smell Let's a just take bit. a moment to appreciate it. It's marinated profusely. Let's take a moment to appreciate Awesome. That, that, that logo. Okay. No, he does wear it almost every Saturday. So yeah. Awesome. So Jordan's a massive lover of music. And I could ask you what are his some of some of his top three favorite musicians, but I'm not going to do that because that just seems too broad. I want to narrow it down. We know that Jordan loves hip hop, but in particular Christian hip hop. Who would be his top three um favorite Christian rappers? I think I can name three. If she doesn't, that's okay. Uh, top three favorite Christian You can party guess one. The problem is that I could never remember names of artists. <laughs> I know KB is one that he really likes. He plays out all the time. Um, I'm drawing a blank. I need my phone to okay. like research and I could tell you. Let me help you. Is it No Big oh. Deal and D1? No. Right. I, I do like D1 a lot. He's not in my top three, but I like him a lot. But oh. KB. Oh, did you just have the table turned on you? No, no, no. I like D1 a lot. I like D1 a lot. Um, what but, is the other the one that you play all the time? KB. KB. Uh, uh, no big deal. Lecrae's old Lecrae. stuff. Lecrae's old stuff. Um, There's another one I can't think of. That you play all the time. There's, there's uh, YB. Oh. Huh? YB. Yeah, that's another one that he likes. He I don't listen to much of YB. I only started listening to him. Okay. Uh, Do you just like it for youth? Maybe? No, you're thinking of KB. I don't have YB on there, actually. I need to really? put YB on there. Right. Yeah, no, it's mainly KB, no big deal. Uh, a bit of John Keith here and there, a bit of Lecrae here and there. Yeah. Um. And that's kind of it. What's for the Jewish movie? one that you've been listening to? The one that the guy who does Spanish and he's like hip hop and he's a mixture of different. Oh, Gavi. Gavi. He loves like Gavi. We've been playing a lot. Mm, he's pretty good. The yeah. last question I have. This, this this isn't really rapid fire, but I don't care. I'm enjoying that. It's awesome. <laughs> Chelsea, on Jordan's days off, where he's not involved in ministry or, or preparing to preach or any of that awesome thing, right? What does Jordan like to do on his time off just to chill? I like to go on hikes. <laughs> Jordan. She didn't, he didn't ask what you like to do. He asked what I like to do. So answer Jordan, your question. Jordan likes going on day trips now, as long as we're not doing anything physical on the day trip. Okay. Um, but he also, surprisingly, he really likes just spending time with people even though if he's had a full like full week 
yeah. on our day off and be like, let's go walk over to Pastor Neil's or let's have people over and play board games, you know? So he's very social. Um, I thought I was an extrovert. Now I realize I'm a little bit more of an introvert than an extrovert because on my day off, I just want to relax. Yeah. But yeah, say he likes to chill in a cool place and see something new or go talk to Pastor Neil. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. about theology i like i like games too you know eight games but not for the day off you do that in the evening with me yeah friend. evening yeah that's true Start awesome. yeah. chelsea you have survived the rapid fire round and now i'm going to hand it over to the man the myth the legend jay cass himself how well do you know chelsea i think she's good very good luck. <laughs> yeah. okay. there won't be intense fellowship i think there'll be loving fellowship that's probably the best way to put it. But let's, Jay Cass, are you ready? Ready. Well, I hope you get them all right anyway. Um, yeah. Same question I asked Chelsea about you. What's Chelsea's favorite meal to have? Thai food. Anything Thai. Yeah. She's obsessed with Thai. So if you have a Thai in there, she'll love it, right. basically. Call it Thai. I'm impressed. Well, what about her least? As No, 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 no. No, no, do you know what? Forget least. Let me change this one. What sort of food does Chelsea absolutely hate and despise? Ooh. Ooh. Very few foods that she doesn't like. She almost likes everything that kind of weird way. Mm. But I can't think of a meal off the top of my head that she despises. Oh, I know what she despises. And you're going to hate, hate her for this, okay? She hates Irish Chinese food. Oh yeah. Oh, that's horrible. There it's not Chinese food. It's just ketchup on chicken and gelatin. It's horrible. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I have to bring this into the conversation, but- uh, I'll make you real Chinese food when you come. And there's ketchup in my sweet and sour. I know you're giving so it- you'll like it. Okay. I'm praying for the grace of God and Jerry, man. Cause I know how much you love that food, bro. Uh, moving on awkwardly. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, this is going to be shot fired at him. <laughs> um, what is Chelsea's favorite music genre? Oh, mm. I absolutely know this one. Off the top of my head is jazz. Yeah. She loves jazz. I actually got her, you know, those old uh, vintage record players yeah. just to play jazz music on it. So yeah, I got her like true. all the jazz, swing jazz type of stuff. So she loves jazz, second to jazz. Surprisingly enough, when she's driving, she loves classical music, which I actually people do. make fun of me for it. Which is actually they say I'm a, like fifty year old woman. But you do get inspiration from that stuff. I do. Um, and then third, she loves country music, which unfortunately I would say that's third. Okay, it's fourth at least. Yeah, it's in our top four. Maybe five, fifth. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's higher. Mostly okay, because he doesn't let me listen to country music. That's why it's gone down to fifth. I've literally listened to maybe four country songs since we've been married. I feel deprived. Is Isn't there a counseling the, session somewhere in here? Isn't that the grace of God uh, being displayed through your husband that he wouldn't allow your eardrums to go through that much torture when you're listening oh, to music? No. You're bringing the right. No, I'm a Floridian. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 you're not Floridian. You're 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 married an Irish man, which makes you Irish now. You're an Irish girl, gal, and that's it. Amen. Amen. Um, Jordan. Worship, worship is in our top three, though. Yeah. What? That yeah. was going to be my third. You had to say that though, because this is a Christian podcast. Um, so Chelsea loves reading, which I think is awesome, right? What 
like sort of books does she enjoy reading? A particular genre or? Mm. Yeah, she loves reading books um, that have a lot of counseling type stuff in there. Um, one for marriage, not that our marriage is going through the rocks. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have to, you have to see, this is my mentality. By the time people go to counseling, a lot of times it's too far down the road. So what you should do is you should constantly be working towards your marriage and strengthening it. That way counseling isn't actually needed when things fire. are south. We're in a rapid fire. We're not, we're not. So I just say, just throwing that out just, there. <laughs> we're at the skin of the meat. We're not okay. in the actual Okay, okay, okay. But yeah, so she likes counseling. She likes um, like Christian counsel books, like yeah. marriage, relationships, uh, and anything that's equipping, like yeah. equipping material. Because we're like, we're just, as you know, we're stuck into the youth ministry here in the life of the church at Crossroads. So yeah. anything that will equip any believer in their faith, how to evangelize, yeah. you know, their daily walk with God and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I think those are like the discipleship. Exactly. That's the word I was looking for. Those are the main things she likes reading. And she does like a good um, true story, Christian story from time to time. Yeah. Here's one for you. Chelsea reads the Bible while well, we hope. Um, <laughs> what is her favorite book or books of the Bible? Does she have a particular couple that she likes to go back to regularly enough? Um, she does, and I'm trying to remember which ones they are. I know she loves the book of um, Esther. Mm, yep. um, I know she loves, loves, loves that story. Yeah. Just um, called to uh, to a time. Just uh, what's what's the phrase everyone uses in like? I don't even know this Christian, and I'm a Christian. Um, uh, yeah. Just the time is this. What's the, what do they say? We're called for such a time as this, or something like that, right? Such, I'm like, why is that word missing from, from my brain? Such a time as this, so that type of stuff. Now, she loves the book of Esther. Yeah. Um, as regards New Testament, I think you really like, uh, gee, for that time, they got something in my head. Uh, I think she likes Gospel of John. I do recommend it a lot. Yeah. Awesome. For I recommend the Gospel of John to like all the youth. Mm. If they've never read any of the Gospels, I'm like, read through John. <laughs> so that is true. And last but not least, is Chelsea a morning or a night person? She's a night person. Uh, she was a morning person. I switched her a night person. Then she became a morning person. Now she's back to a night person again. Just and then so she's like almost borderline altering between the two, but mainly night person but so, i have an alarm clock an internal alarm clock mm. i wake up at 8 30 whether my phone goes off or not mm. okay so i don't know if that's is 8 30 considered morning without coffee she's a she's a night person with right. coffee she'd be a morning person so i suppose the best way to explain it would be this way your wife has gone a bit mad since i married him <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> Yeah. before it was perfectly normal you see <laughs> you, know, you know what the first process of of you know counseling is you know pointing the finger like yeah. has, to, has to come back to them to realize what the common denominator is <laughs> how about this one why not point the finger and start pointing the thumb because you can't point the thumb at someone can you when you point the thumb it's directly <laughs> Awesome. We have made it through the ever, the ever and ever changing rapid fire round that was very slow. 
I was definitely a torture round. All good. I like it. It's good because it, it shows that 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 you guys weren't ready for this. And I like that. It's spontaneous. It's in the moment. I like that sort of stuff. This is the Hope Sessions podcast, right? And Jcast, my man, you've been on this before. Um, but because we've got new listeners listening in all the time, thankfully, um, I want you and your wife to both share your testimonies for maybe five minutes yourself, five minutes Chelsea or whichever, just so people can get to know who Jordan is, who Chelsea are. They heard that you guys are in Geneva in Switzerland um, being youth pastors over there doing a phenomenal thing with Pastor Neil Rhodes and the Crossroads Church. But maybe they don't know your story. They think, oh, Jordan, you just you just ended up in Switzerland. Oh, Chelsea, just she's from Florida. She just ended up in Switzerland. No, there was a journey. So would you both, Jordan, or no, sorry, ladies first and then gentlemen afterwards? Yeah. Perfect. So testimony of how I got saved first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I grew up in Guatemala. My parents are missionaries there. I was there for the first 18 years of my life. I grew up in a Christian family, obviously knowing about Jesus, knowing that he was real, never doubting it. Um, but then when I was 14 years old, yeah. my best friend was murdered. And that threw me through a whole rabbit trail. And so I remember a few days like into it, like three or four days after he had passed away, I was in my bedroom and I remember having a conversation with God and saying, I believe you're real, um, but I don't believe that you're merciful and I don't believe that you're loving and I don't want a relationship with you, even if that means I go to hell. Yeah. And so I had that conversation and my walls just went up. And so I didn't have a time where I remember giving my life to the Lord when I was younger, but I always believed he was real and read the word and everything. Yeah. And then my walls kind of like went up and it got very difficult for me emotionally because yeah. I had emotionally shut off from, I thought I was emotionally shutting off to God, yeah. but what ended up happening is I emotionally shut off to everyone. Mm -hmm. And so uh, my best friend was talking to me and she was like, I feel like, you're not there. This is like two years later. She was like, I feel like I'm talking to you, but you're just not there. It's like, you look like Chelsea, but you're not responding like her. You don't act like her. Like you're just absent emotionally. And, um, I told her, I was like, well, this is just who I am. You know, like this, there's no, you should just move on and find another best friend because I'm not going to change. Like this is, this is the new Chelsea, you know? And so I had this conversation and I did feel like the walls I built up to protect myself from ever feeling emotionally vulnerable or hurt again, ended up, I thought it was going to protect me from the world, but it secluded me from the world. Yeah. And it secluded, like it, I boxed in my own emotions, like that I used to feel of not just sadness, but also joy. Yeah. So I wasn't happy about things. So I thought I was just knocking off one emotion, but I knocked off all of them. Mm -hmm. And it was such a lonely place. And long story short, I was in Florida for um, a month. And this woman from North Carolina, she heard my dad speaking online at a different church. Yeah. And she went to sleep and she was given a dream that she needed to call my family and change our flight tickets. And she didn't even know that we were in the States currently. So she calls my dad the next day, finds his number, calls him and says, hey, um, you don't know me. I'm this so-and-so from North Carolina, but God told me I need to call your, your plane tickets. Yeah. And what she didn't know is that 
the youth pastor that I knew in Florida kept trying to get me to go to a youth retreat that summer, yeah. but we were flying out the Friday of the youth retreat. So I was going to miss it and I didn't want to go. Yeah. So I, I kept telling him, oh, I'm sorry, we're leaving Guatemala. Like, it's impossible for me to do that. I can't go. Yeah. Um, so right the week before, she changes the plane tickets. My dad was like, we actually needed another week to fix our taxes and everything. Changes the plane tickets. And my mom was like, by the way, you can go to that youth retreat. And I was like, well, we can't afford it anyways. It's too expensive. And so I went to church that Sunday and I told the youth pastor, I said, he was like, so am I going to see you at the youth retreat? Because he said that every time he saw me. And I was like, well, funny enough, we will be here when it's happening. But the deadline to sign up has already passed and my parents can't afford it. Yeah. So I still won't be going. And he just smiled at me and he said, a woman came into my office a few weeks ago and she gave me a check. And it was the exact amount for the youth retreat. And he said, there's going to be a woman who comes in who doesn't have the finances for, and this is for her. And so he said, he smiled and he was like, I know exactly who that is. Yeah. And I hadn't told anyone, like I was a missionary kid. So like missionary kids and PKs, we can put on a face, even if we're going through health yeah. and no one really knows, like if we're going through something emotionally. Yeah. And so I was very good at putting on a friends. I still went to youth group. My mom would drive me there every week. I would do the whole church thing, but I was totally had different turmoil going on internally. Yeah. So I ended up going to this youth retreat and five people came up to me at different times and they said, God's told me that you've built up a wall thinking it was going to be a fortress to protect yourself, but instead you become a prisoner. And even though you think you've locked God out, God is right there with you. Wow. And like you, there's nothing you can do to lock God out of your life. Yeah. And the first time I heard it, I was like, all right, cool. Thanks. And I was just like, not moved by it. Second time I was like, okay, not moved by it. And it was almost word for word from different people. And the third time I got so mad, I snapped at the person. I was like, what is this? The theme of this retreat? Like you guys are all just telling people the same exact thing. Did you like go over this with the youth leaders meeting before? Wow. And the person, it was this girl, her name was Rebecca. She like stopped and she looked at me and she's like, Chelsea, like we don't, we didn't have a theme for this youth retreat. Like I haven't spoken to anyone about this word that God gave me for you. It was literally the Holy Spirit told me to tell you. Yeah. And I didn't believe her, but I realized I hurt her because she was like, so like shocked and kind of offended by my burst. Yeah. And I just left the small group because I was so mad and I didn't believe her. I was like, there's no way that you guys are all saying the exact same thing. Mm. So then the fifth time was um, during worship. And I remember when someone came up to me, I had my eyes closed because it was time of prayer and a youth leader came up to me and just whispered that in my ear and left. And I just collapsed to the ground. I started bawling my eyes out. And I was like, God, I don't ever want to feel like this again. You yeah. know, like I, I actually need your love and I want your love. And I, I didn't realize till now that I, I need you in my life. Like I can't do this. It's not the easier way out because I thought it would be. I thought closing him off and closing off emotions would be the easier way out. Yeah. But I realized yeah. it wasn't. Yeah. And so I gave my life to the Lord then and the rest is a journey. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Jacas, my man. That's an amazing story. Well, my story is not as, you know, crazy as this one here, but it's still a great story in that it's all about God's kicking power. Um, similarly, I grew up in a Christian home where my dad was a minister in the church. Um, and I kind of, I grew up hearing about Jesus 
you know, in, in the Sunday schools and the youth group and kids club and all kind of stuff. So I was very familiar mm-hmm. with this whole Jesus thing and him dying on the cross and uh, King David and all, all the Bible characters that you hear of. Um, so I was very used to cr- being a Christian. I was used to uh, putting on the face, like Chelsea said, when I needed to, I, I was used to saying the right things at the right time, mm-hmm. acting a certain way to give off an impression that I'm doing well as a person, I'm doing well as a Christian. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was easy uh, to become very secretive about my own life. Mm-hmm. And I think this has been a common theme th- throughout my life for many years, yeah. uh, right up into my early adult years, actually, is that it's so easy to become secretive about areas in your life that you're deeply insecure about. And it's also easy to be super secretive about areas in your life uh, that you struggle in. um, And it may be a particular thing, you know, isn't right. And for me, one of those things was um, pornography uh, from the age of 14. Um, So coupled with, you know, the weight of expectation as a Christian, you feel like people put an expectation on you, uh, to live up to a certain standard uh, and to, to be an example and to be something um, that you're not. Yeah. But oftentimes as Christians and, and even those who grew up in, in households that are, you know, running ministries, you feel that even more. And uh, I guess that has been tough in a sense that it's caused me to ignore uh, the spiritual issues in my life yeah. and be so focused on pleasing people that I'm actually neglecting that there's an issue that needs to be dealt with. And that issue um, is that, you know, God has called me, uh, God, uh, God loves me, God has a plan for my life. Uh, there's a value and acceptance and approval that only comes from Christ. Yeah. And uh, that's much more valuable and is much more worthwhile than the opinions of other people. Mm-hmm. And so throughout my life, you know, right up into my <clears throat> early adult years, I've been living in that perpetual cycle of, pleasing people in ministry outside the church and and so I'll be a different person for different groups of people Um, I'll dress a certain way you know I'll I'll listen to the music I'll have my headphones with me just to kind of you know represent the music I'm listening to or um, you know I'll I'll talk a certain way with a different group of guys to kind of fit in with them so constantly trying to please people constantly trying to fit in feel accepted feel loved feel like feel like I belong to you know a group of people feel like I belong just with the people I know and and look up to Uh, but at the end of the day you find that you know these people that you strive to fit in with these people that you strive to belong to you realize that they're just just as bit as fickle as you are they're every bit as fragile as you are they have their issues they have their problems they have the same need as you do Um, they need Jesus you know and you know, from I remember at 12 years of age, I, I'll never forget God meeting me um, at a youth retreat in Bandon, um, where I just came up to the altar and God's presence touched me so supernaturally. I could never, ever deny his existence. I could never deny that Jesus was real. I could never deny that he had a plan and purpose for my life. I could ne- never deny his love for me. Uh, and um, ever since then, I've never doubted uh, God being real or his love for me or his plan for my life. Uh, but as you do, as you get older, as you hit 17, 18, you start to come into new freedoms and you experience the world in a different way with a different perspective. And, you know, things kind of open up to you. And, and I think for me, what one of the main factors was 
I allow I allowed myself to be in environments and with people that were bad influence. I allowed myself to to even in, in church, there, there was always the one or two guys that would always be borderline doing something kind of edgy and um, just influenced me in that direction. Yeah. I no longer I, I'm starting my first year of college and already, you know, I, I'm finding myself being with the wrong um, groups of people and allowing myself being in the wrong environments. And, you know, thank, thank God, you know, very quickly, um, God, you know, knocked me off that high horse and brought me back down uh, to, you know, depending on him for every yeah. aspect of my life. Because at the end of the day, we all want to love and we all want to be loved. Yeah. And I think, you know, you, you see so many women, you see so many men and so many teenagers going out partying and drinking and doing all mm. sorts of stuff to yeah. find that love that they so desperately crave. And at the end of the day, it's found a one person that's Christ that's who will also provide your emotional and physical needs um, as a human being, which is an amazing promise too, um, that as we trust and depend on him, he'll also look after us as a loving father does. Yeah. And I think, you know, it took me right up until, you know, my early adult years that, wow, I can really depend on God for every aspect of, of my life. I don't need to go looking. I don't need to go searching. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't need to go trying out relationships. I, I can just trust God that he is going to fulfill every area of my life, my emotional needs, my physical needs, yeah. my mental needs, uh, my spiritual needs. Uh, and so I think there's been a mixture in my life between influence of the wrong people in my life, uh, as well as keeping things secret. Mm -hmm. And um, just for those who are listening, you know, my testimony is when I, I learned not to be secretive about things and I brought them into the light. I, mm -hmm. I came to my youth pastor uh, I came to to people I could trust to say, hey, this is actually what I've been going through. In fact, I've been going through this for years and kept a secret. You know, it's amazing that the power of the gospel at work when that happens. And for me, God set me free from that stuff. God set me free, um, you know, in my own mind, because as Christians, there's no sin that actually enslaves you. It's only what you uh, choose to believe in your own mind. Uh, but God set me free from all those things. And I was able to walk as a free man, as a free Christian, and enjoy the presence of God, enjoy the plans and purposes of God, enjoy the stage of life I was in. I hated college. I hated uh, doing my master's. I, you know, I, I, I just couldn't wait to get out. But I was able to enjoy the season. I was able to enjoy the process because I knew God was teaching me. I knew God was using me. No matter how small it may seem in my own eyes, his purpose and his plan was bigger than my own. Um, so at the end of the day, depending on him for every area, including relationships, including my future. If mm. I, you know, that's what God calls us to. And for me, it took me a little while to get there, even though I grew up in the church. But once I said, yes, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting you for everything in my life, mm. no matter how it looks, no matter how I feel. Um, I experienced the greatest freedom and greatest joy and the greatest peace I've ever had in my life. Yeah. And um, ever mm. since God has kept me, God has been faithful to me nonstop. So yeah awesome you know I, I was just sitting there right and I'm, I'm listening to both your stories Chelsea from the jungles of Guatemala Jordan from Cork Ireland there's no similarities in the cultures the language spoken the food types the, the style of dress yet God from eternity past had a plan in place that he was going to bring you both together from totally different sides of the world different ways of viewing life to come together for the purposes of marriage and i love the fact that you both are pastoring out in geneva now in youth ministry specifically because especially youth ministry the insecurities are, are a lot more 
out there. Whether they, they may think they're hidden, they're not. I can see it all over your face. It's there. And it's awesome to know that you both, um, a big part of your story was insecurity, building up walls and stuff. And now because God has freed you guys through the power of the gospel, now you can preach that same truth to the young people that you're ministering to on a weekly basis. Do you know, I think it's incredible. But even with this podcast, right, it's, so it's called Before Slash After the Ring. And love is a massive part of life. What do I mean by that? Well, I know there's a lot of massive artists right now. If, they, if, if love wasn't a thing, they wouldn't have a career. Ed Sheeran, Drake, the Jonas Brothers, Louis Capaldi, Dermot Kennedy, um, Beyonce, Lady Gaga is questionable. But you get the gist, right? Like, love is a massive thing people sing about it they write books about it it's the new york bestsellers or books about love how to date all this stuff and then even if you go on netflix there's all these series of love is blind are you the one and all this stuff and it grabs people's attention because people want to be known seen and loved yeah. and i want to just get into this dialogue with you guys right i, I just want to know and our listeners as well because it's such a as much as it's an important topic, it's such a, a difficult thing to navigate. I think it's probably the best way to say it. People don't know how to approach dating, how to express their love for someone, or, or I want to be married, but how do I get there? Do I just send someone a CV and they send me for an interview and then I put a ring on their finger and married? And do you know what I mean? And there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressures that come with it. So I'm just going to work through a series of questions with a dialogue that we are going to have and the first question I'm going to have is, how did you guys meet each other? You want the long story or the extra long no, story? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? I don't actually care because I'm buzzing. So whoever whoever wants to share, you can both say if you want. I don't mind. So both of our families heard of each other for years yeah. because her dad would have shared and preached in a lot of the same churches my dad did in the States. Like yeah. One of the big examples being Times Square Church in New York. Yeah. Um, so we had mutual friends such as David Wilkinson, um, you know, and actually Pastor Neil and Nolene Rhodes as well yeah. uh, were one of the, yeah. our biggest mutual friends. And so we've heard of each other for years and years. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny enough because me and my family will go to the States in August and stay in a friend's house there for a week, two weeks, whatever. And we would always miss each other by sometimes week, like two weeks yeah. or a week or a few days. Uh, and we would leave and then they come into the same house because they're the same friends and stay there in Orlando, for example. And it happened to be in 2015 in August that we happened to be in the same location at the exact same time. And so our friends were like, hey, you guys need to meet each other. Let's have a meal together some evening and that happened and uh, in a local town there we just both our fam families came together had a meal one evening and she was there I was there her whole family was there and my family was there with Tristan and my, my parents and all and uh, we just said hi and bye that was kind of it she was going through some housing crisis housing crisis she had accommodation <laughs> set up for, for yeah. college she was starting nursing school the next day and her her, her accommodation fell through so okay. she was stressed out she didn't want to be there mm -hmm. um but she had <clears throat> my not, mom made me her mom made her so go. like a good mk i went, <laughs> went. Awesome. but yeah so we met when i started nursing school 
and we didn't talk for two years and uh, I was friends with Tristan and Jordan didn't have a single word interaction just and a Facebook then, like here and there yeah just totally random right before I graduated I got a message from Jordan saying I'm going to be in town this summer do you want to meet and I told him to send me the dates and that we could meet up whenever he came and then he never contacted me back <laughs> believe it or not so I forgot about it because it, it wasn't a big deal to me I forgot I just like whatever uh, I graduate, get a job. I'm my first week of training in the hospital and my first patient that was only like my patient, like I was doing everything for this patient. I went in and she had an awesome accent. So I asked her where she was from and she said, Ireland. And I said, oh, I have friends in Cork, Ireland. And she was like, no way, that's where I'm from. And so I was like, whoa, that's weird. So then I left the room and I sent him a text saying, I don't know if I've missed you um, or if you guys have already left, but if you haven't, like, let me know, hit me up and we'll hang out. And then he responded saying, we just flew in yesterday. Mm. And so we hung out. First day was a complete fail. Everything I planned to take Tristan and Jordan to, which by the way, I also took my two roommates because I was like, hey, I don't know these guys. You guys have to come with me. <laughs> like there's some weirdos from Ireland. I told him I'd take them around. <laughs> so I brought my roommate, Tiffany, handsome young men. and her brother, Elijah. And we went and every single thing that I took them to was closed, which never happens in Florida. So they were like, what is going on? But even though it was a complete failure of a day, we still had so much fun. Yeah, and then, was open. and then Tristan mentioned he wanted to go to the beach. And I was going to the beach with a bunch of friends from the hospital the next day. So I told him I could pick him up and take them with us. Yeah. And then on, we dropped them off. I go home and he sends a text to me while I'm driving. Pause. So <laughs> that day that we were hanging out, um, what was cool is when I saw her, like you come up the steps into the house, um, you know, cause we were staying in Pastor Neil's house at the time. And she walked up the steps, she came in. I was like, well, she's pretty attractive. But it wasn't the, even though I thought she was, you know, physically attractive, it, that, wasn't the, that wasn't the thing that made me want to date her. It was the whole day that we spent. Uh, and I, I, at the end of the day, I realized, whoa, I don't know what it is, but I just like just being around her is just super easy. It was a lot of fun. Her company was something special, more special than most. Yeah. Um, and so but that, it wasn't like a flirtatious thing. It wasn't a flirtatious thing. There was zero flirtation between both of us, at least I, to my knowledge, anyway. Um, but, but that that was the main thing that stood out more than the physical uh, um, appearance, which was great. But the, the main thing that what really actually genuinely stuck out was at the end of the day, I was like in bed thinking, I was like, I really enjoyed being with that girl. Mm. And so it prompted me to text her and be like, what are you doing tomorrow morning? Do you want to um, do you want to go get breakfast in Cracker Barrel, my favorite breakfast place in all of the states? Yeah. Um, and my roommate is she's never kissed a guy to this day. She's very cautious. She's very careful of who she dates. Um, she dates for marriage. There's no messing around with her. Yeah. And she read the text to me because I was driving, mm -hmm. and my response was, "Well, you don't think that he liked me, right?" like he was acting normal, right? And she was like, yeah, he seemed normal. And I said, so he probably, does he mean it as in like a group? Like, let's all go to breakfast before the beach. And she was like, probably. Mm. So I was like, okay, so should I say yes? And she was like, yeah, I don't see any harm in it. So I trusted her judgment. And I was like, all right, say yes. So she said yes. 
And then when I showed up, it's just me. Tristan was sleeping. <laughs> and Jordan was like, I'm starving. Are you ready for breakfast? And I was like, yeah, I'm so hungry. Where's Tristan? And he's like, oh, he's in bed sleeping. And so I was like, well, go wake him up <laughs> because I didn't want him to think this was a date. I didn't know this guy. I was not about to go on a date with some stranger. So I, was like, so I was like, well, go wake him up. And so he's like, he's not going to get out of bed. I was like, go try. So he goes upstairs. I go directly to the kitchen where his parents are and Pastor Neil and Olin are. And I was like, hey, do you guys want to go to breakfast with us? Just in case Tristan said no. And they were both like, no, it's okay. You guys have fun. We're not going to come. And so in my mind, I was like, if Tristan doesn't come, I'm paying the bill. Because if I'm paying the bill, he knows very clear message. This was not a date. This was just two people going to breakfast. So <laughs> I come back down because I knew she does want to hear Tristan's not getting up. She's he's not Parents coming. <laughs> so it ends up being us in the car. So she's taking all these thoughts. Okay, this could be short. I'm gonna pay for the bill. We're there. We arrive at Cracker Barrel. Um, we get a phone call after our meal and everything like that. And from his mom. From my mom saying, Are you guys coming to the beach? Like, where are you guys at? We're at the beach, it's we been, can't find you. It's been four hours, and we're like still in Cracker Barrel playing checkers after our meal. And we're like, oh, What? Four hours? Um, so during that time, we kind of realized we liked each other, just yeah. like without saying it to each other. We both at the same time after, like, when was it? I mean, Adam? you can't go to breakfast for four hours and then, oh. you know, if you hate the person. <laughs> so, but yeah, so he paid the bill. Yeah. Long story short. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. And now you guys have been married coming up to two years now, right? This summer? Yeah, yeah July will be two years. I'm trying because it's weird because the last two years, because of COVID, feels like a blur. So I'm trying to remember. I knew you got married during the pandemic sort of thing during the summer. I was just wasn't sure. It wasn't last year, it was the year before last. And it was awesome yeah. to be a part of that wedding. Um incredible wedding from start to finish, the how God provided every small to major detail was provided for by him. It was an awesome, God-honoring, God-glorifying day. But I have a question for you guys. Now that you're married, is there something that marriage has taught you guys that you didn't know about marriage when you were single? There's a lot of things, so I'm gonna have to take a moment to think about it. Cool. Um, yeah. yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> it's a loaded question. <laughs> one of the is communication. Yeah, communication is the number one. Communication definitely. is huge. And also like part of communication is like the whole nonverbal communication as well. Mm. And learning how to communicate one-on-one, -on -one, but also learning how to communicate in groups. Because yeah. um, you don't want to be verbally or non-verbally like throwing your spouse under the bus when you're in group settings, because then that just kind of, one, it hurts, and two, it hurts the trust. Um, so that's one thing. Mm -hmm. And I'd say another thing is not assuming the other person's intentions. Mm -hmm. So even if you do get hurt in that situation, don't assume that you know why they did or said something, but you have to address it and talk through it. Because yeah. a lot of times we'll make assumptions. And then from those assumptions, if we don't clear the air, then they'll just build. Mm -hmm. yeah. So not assuming is yeah. another big thing. Um, I think expectations is mm. another big one, actually. 
Um, not that I expected her to be like perfect and always doing the cleaning and always doing the cooking, even though she kind of does. No, well, mostly. No, but genuinely the expectations, I think is probably one of the biggest ones. And yeah. I think it's what people fear the most maybe um, going into a marriage. They're like, well, will he do this? Will she do that? Yeah. And yeah, really, you know, marriage is not a contract of you must do this and you must yeah. do that part. It's more like, you're coming in you're you're you should be best friends first of all that friendship wants to be strong because romance comes and goes all right mm-hmm. romance in the beginning relationship it's great you're like oh wow i'm so in love with her and she's amazing and then rubber hits the road and you hit the realities of life so you've yeah. got to be ready for you know if this friendship is not a friendship then you're going to be going through a rough time so yeah. i think the, one of the main things is having a strong friendship is it lasts you know throughout um marriage yeah. uh, when the romance is not as prevalent as it was maybe when you started dating or leading up to the wedding for example because you go through rough times um and so our romance is still here mm. you know but at the same time romance is not consistent because that's just life um yeah. uh, it does comes in you know back and forth but you will go through times where it's not as romantic. You're both stressed. You both have a lot on your plate yeah. and you kind of figure stuff out. And I think the expectations there, um, I think what, what often happens is that one or the other will have an expect, expectation. This person will do that. Mm. Um, and that doesn't generally work out. Mm. But instead, the commu- it comes back to the communication yeah. and it's expressing, look, um, I know we both have a lot on our plates. Yeah. you know i'm feeling this way i'm feeling that way how can we resolve that together as a team rather than you should be doing that you should be doing that um yeah. but i think at the same time even before we got married we had a lot of really good like tough conversations about yeah how do you see yourself you know we're married you know you know what what about the finances uh what about raising kids how do you see that happening um do you believe yeah. in spanking your kids no <laughs> but you know so like just having conversations yeah. where uh, don't leave them till marriage you know yeah. have them before you need to have tough conversations way before marriage that you need have to have yeah you need you need to hit the hard topics yeah we hit um, all the hard topics once we both said i could see myself marrying you yeah then we started having all the hard conversations mm-hmm. it was everything yeah yeah um, it's important because that goes back to expectations because mm-hmm. if you don't have those conversations before yeah. you're expecting finances to go one way and then you get married and you have a joint bank account and then all of a sudden it's going a totally different way mm-hmm. and you're just like hello this is not what i was expecting and the other yeah. person's like this is what i was expecting you know mm-hmm. so it is good and service is another thing that goes with expectations if you want to be loved a certain way it's important for you to be able to show it, show love through that way first as well. Like you communicate it, but you also are showing it that way. So not like coming into a marriage saying like, this is how I expect to be served, but then not willing to serve that person. Yeah, Yeah. You know, so I think that's really important. I think, I think the best, like, I mean, we're not married that long, but what I'm seeing, the best thing that happens is when we both understand what our love languages are. Right. Yeah. Uh, And so we're we're weird in a sense that <laughs> our love languages are almost identical in order almost identical they're like so close yeah. which is unlike most couples it'd be very different yeah. we just happen to be very similar which is kind of a bonus but 
uh, at the end of the day, no matter who you are going as a couple into marriage, knowing the love languages is so important because, uh, for example, guys typically were much more, um, not all, always, but oftentimes we're much more physically inclined. We want more to physical affection mm -hmm. and girls are not always like that. So that's just one major example that we see in the world today. Um, so the man has to understand that she may like the physical aspect, but also, you know, her love language is, you know, quality time, yeah. you know? So I got to put aside my, you know, my, my wants or my needs and say, how can I fulfill her? How can I, you know, help her where she's at and trusting that she will do the, t the same in turn because that conversation needs to be had before marriage. Like, okay, I understand Jordan that you're not the, um, you know, you're not the physical type guy, you're the quality type guy, you know? So I, I will make every effort to spend that quality time with you and then vice versa. I say, Chelsea, I know you're apps of service. So I'm going to make sure I make coffee for you every single morning, which I do, um, <laughs> you know? So, so showing, showing, making her feel loved is, you know, it's important, it's equally as important as her showing me love. So rather than Chelsea, I need you to show me love. Um, I should be first looking to fill her needs mm. and vice versa. Yeah. Um, there is a book I read before marriage and it talks about the 10 basic needs that each human has. Yeah. And uh, you have this whole quiz that you fill out. So we actually did that because they say the five top basic needs is something that's really crucial for someone to feel loved. Mm. And so you have to know that before marriage and in marriage. So you have them written down. So if you feel like, my spouse isn't feeling loved you go back to that list and it's like mm. how can I make them feel loved mm. so don't just take a back seat and say their emotions is their problem uh, it's not my problem like you're a team and right. his emotions is her problem mm. you know and vice versa so you need to be acting as a team and helping to fulfill that mm. so that's yeah there's that. a lot of things though I love <laughs> You guys literally just talked on it as well. It was actually one of my questions because um, I've read that book, The Five Love Languages, several times. I think it's a phenomenal book um, for I don't even, not even necessarily just marriage and that, but I think even in how we interact with friends, people oh, yeah. that we're close with as well, man, because you may be blessing someone with a lunch and they're like, no, I just want quality time. Like, and you're, you're, you're hitting the wrong language. You know, it's, it's, it could be a conflict as well. Like I remember talking to Danny and Eva about, it, and Danny was like, "Yeah," he said, "I could be doing X, Y, and Z for Eva, and she may just want to sit down and watch a movie." You know, so it's that importance of, as you guys said so wonderfully, communication, right? Um, and I love the fact that you said that. So we're going to disregard that question because you guys asked the question and answered it all in one, which I think is awesome, right? But you guys are involved in youth ministry, and if anyone doesn't know anything about youth ministry, youth ministry is very demanding of your time energy and your week which is awesome it is oh, I love, i'm in youth ministry myself here in core church i love youth i love youth ministry with all my heart i would gladly last night i came home from youth and my work uniform was destroyed in banana skins because we were playing some game we're uh, headering the cabbage and i slipped on a banana skin and it was like mario kart for me last night but that's besides the point that's an example youth ministry messy games banter good tunes good vibes we're even worshiping to one of your songs. I sent you a video to it as well. Um, it's just awesome to see that, that, that you've left a legacy, man, of creating worship songs that are actually helping young people worship God in the midst, in even in the middle of their insecurities, 
their fears, that it's actually helping them to step out of themselves and, and lift their hands in faith, you know? So I think that's awesome. But the question I have for you guys is, um, you're both young, but Jordan-ish. Ah, it's supposed <laughs> to be a joke, you can laugh. Regardless, right. Um, so you're involved, you're both young, you're married, um, you're involved in youth ministry, but no doubt you guys are doing a lot more stuff in the church that a lot of people may not be aware of. So is it difficult for you guys to manage your time, both as a married couple, with your commitment to work, with your commitment to one another, your youth ministry and stuff? Is that a difficult thing? Are you still trying to navigate that? Or yeah, I think like with ministry, um, it's not like you're clock in, clock out, yeah. nine to five. Ministry can, yeah. can go to all hours. And it, it's, it's kind of a funny thing, you know, you, you can't, like even if you were to sit down, go Monday through to Sunday and write out everything you have to do, like every week changes. So it's never consistently the exact same, maybe for the, the, the few things like your Saturday night youth and your Sunday morning yeah. church. And so there are things that are set for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then we have lots of activities, lots of visitations and, mm -hmm. and all sorts of stuff. So I think time, time schedule wise changes. So you have, you have to be flexible in that, but also we do make time for after this hour, we just need to stop and have quality time together. So yeah. we're taking time to pause, um, at least most of the days and yeah. at least one day where we do nothing ministry later. So it's just us and we're able to, you know, yeah it took us a while to get there though it did because yeah. we were using mondays or off days to fill in like visitations because we were like visitations isn't really ministry because we are both social and we love visiting people yeah. but then we realized the damage in that is that we weren't spending enough quality time just the two of us and you do need to have that space mm -hmm. so it took us a few months to really get to that point mm -hmm. Um, and some weeks, you know, are really challenging mm -hmm. because we have so much packed on in that week, yeah. but overall it's a learning process mm -hmm. and you learn how to, like Jordan said, turning off your phone at a certain hour. Mm -hmm. So now I have my phone set. It's great on Apple. You can change it to where like all of your apps, you don't get any notifications. So I have that on my phone for like night time, yeah. um, at a certain hour, it just shuts everything off. Mm -hmm. So that's really great. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome because I actually agree. Um, Apple is great, there's a thing called screen time, and it's weird. I almost see it like for me, right? Because I have a, a time limit on my phone, and if I go beyond that, like it's like the Holy Spirit shows up on my phone. Is that like, do you really need to click into this app? I'm like, no, I'm just bored, so I'm just like, oh, thanks, Lord, appreciate that, and I'll just cancel and move on. But um, I want to ask you guys a question. So we've been talking about you guys being married and what that looks like day to day and some of the challenges that you guys have had with dealing with time and stuff like that. But I want to ask you both an individual question, the same question, but I want you both to answer it individually. Um, I will start with the ladies. Well, do you know what? I don't mind who goes first. Um, Chelsea, so does people listen to this podcast, right? And there's a desire in their heart to be married one day. And they're stuck in that moment where maybe they're not sure how to date or how to express interest in someone or not that there's a right way to date, but there's a, a God honoring way to date is probably the best way to put it. What advice would you give girls slash women for dating or expressing interest in someone, you know, because I obviously can't speak to a female because I'm a fully grown male. So if you could speak to that, that would be awesome. Yeah, I would say 
that we, especially women, we have timelines. Yeah. So we expect things to happen in timelines. And if it's not happening and our timeline's coming to an end, sometimes we'll like skip the process or steps um, or standards even because yeah. we're like, well, I just have to commit to someone, you know? And yeah. so you can like skip a lot of things. But um, what I'd have to say is, don't do that as much as you can help it. Like don't skip, don't lower your standards. Don't skip the process. Mm. I think for me personally, I had been in relationships before Jordan and there was always a check in my heart saying this is not the right person. And so that's why those relationships ended because I'd pray, I'd bring it to God and I'd be like, and sometimes it wasn't that anything was wrong with the person you know, the person can be a great person. Mm -hmm. One of them was also a worship leader in a church, great person, but it wasn't my person. And so we have to realize that God has someone in mind for you. And it's not your, your standard is not just like, are they a good person? Because there's lots of good people out there. So that cannot be the standard. Um, But I do think that when you fully give uh, your situation, your timeline and everything to God. Mm. And when you're fully invested, cause I think God calls you into a ministry or into evangelism in your workplace. Even if it's not full-time ministry, it's still ministry in your workplace. Mm. I think he, he takes you on a journey and as you're trusting him and walking with him and believing with him, yeah. he knows the perfect timing of when to bring a partner along. Yeah. We think you know the perfect timing, you know, but he actually does know the perfect timing mm-hmm. And he'll bring someone along just completely supernaturally that some you don't have to seek it and look for it and struggle to find or fit someone. Yeah. He just will come in, he or she will come into your life and you'll mm-hmm. have a peace. And I can't really explain it other than like, it was kind of uh, a peace that wasn't grounded on like worldly standards. It was just this internal peace that you're just like, I don't know why I have so much peace about this person. But even when you bring it to the Holy Spirit and you're praying about this person, like you will continue to have this peace and you'll know that that's the right person. So I'd say don't lower your standards and be able to just trust God with it. Put your timeline and everything into God's hands because you don't want to rush things. Mm, You know, sometimes people like we dated for a few years before we got married. And I think we grew and learned a lot in that dating process. Mm -hmm. So even though we both felt like we were going to get married very early on in our dating and we communicated that to each other there was still a process we had to go through in the dating season so don't don't try skipping and pushing steps just because your timeline is up or you feel lonely because you want you want god to be the one doing the work because he's going to be the one who sustains it so that's about it awesome okay Cass. the same for you my man i'll ask you what advice what encouragement would you give to guys because unfortunately guys have mad expectations they think that marriage is she's swinging out with the chandeliers and doing circus acts all day every day that's not real that's a movie man would you speak to uh, from a guy's point of view okay um hopefully i can hit three main things <laughs> uh one of them is uh you know oftentimes you know there's guys who will you know come to 18 19 20 or early 20s and they're, lo- they're just looking for a girl. They're looking for a relationship. Uh, they want to have the intimacy. They want to have companionship, but they have no clue where they're actually going in life. They don't know uh, what has God called me to? What is his will for my life? 
Yeah. And, and no, not every guy is called to like a full-time ministry position, but all our lives is ministry period. And I think we sh- uh, every uh, young Christian man should know, or if you're an older Christian man, like what has God called you to, you know, because you, you what you don't want to do is get into relationship and hopefully that the purpose and direction comes from that. No, it yeah. really, what, uh, something Pastor Patrick, um, <laughs> you know, said to me one time, you know, that as you continue to serve, um, God will bring that person as a partner to you. And I think that's very true. Um, not that it's a partner in the sense that she's going to be uh, in the exact ministry with you, although that's ideal. It can look different, but um, at the end of the day, the, the men need to know, hey, where am I going? You know, um, whether it's I'm being planted in this church, I'm getting involved in ministry in this church, or I, I'm called to the mission field, or I'm called to the business world, but I'm going to bring the gospel with me yeah. uh, in whatever capacity God allows. So it's just having a direction before bringing a relationship um, into the equation. Yeah. Uh, I think the second thing you said about expectations, I think uh, what is destroying our men today is um, pornography. Yeah. Uh, I think that a lot of men, young men and teenagers, are they're filling their minds with pornography uh, and in turn when they do get into a relationship or they do get into marriage uh, that whole expectation of the sexual aspect of their marriage is completely contorted because they're wiring their brain even scientifically it's proven you're wiring your brain uh, to think and act a certain way uh, and objectify exactly you begin objectifying women and mm. you see your wife more as someone to give you sexual pleasure rather than this is my party this is my friend you know th- you know so i think a huge thing is if you are a young man and you're in that stuff no. get out of it come to they come to your youth pastor or your pa- whatever youth leader you can find and bring that into the light get accountability yeah. and get out of that stuff because it's so detrimental yeah. um to yourself first and foremost yeah. it's detrimental to yourself it's, de- it's dangerous in how you view other women but also if you want to be a married man mm. you, you you can't allow that to be an equation because if you do yeah you know it will it will it will just destroy things because yeah. uh, it, it's a it, it's a catastrophic thing that the enemy is using to destroy so many mm. people young men yeah. and women and marriages and relationships and you bring the expectation that's not realistic mm. um, and it's not biblical mm. yeah. so I think there's some of the two many yeah. things but also going on top of that because I feel like when we talk about pornography we always talk about from like the men's perspective yeah. but statistically right now and what we're seeing in youth groups all over the world mm. is that there's almost the same amount of girls in pornography as men yeah. right. and I would like to say that for women what it's doing is it's devaluing mm. our bodies yes. and it's devaluing what we deserve yeah. respectfully. Yeah. And so it's very dangerous and toxic for women because I feel like the reason why we're in such a toxic dating environment right now is because women have devalued themselves so much where they're used to the, the Tinder, they're used to the quick wipe they're used to the in and out they're used to the one night stands they're used to being objectified they're used to the cat calls Mm. and all these things and so their personal value by the time they get into a relationship is so low that now they expect it and also they think the only way that i can be valued is through my body Mm. which is like 
not true at all. Mm-hmm. There's so much more that women have to offer Absolutely. than just their sexual beings and their body. Mm-hmm. Um, but society has taught us like that is what you bring to the table. Yeah. So wear those tight pants. So wear those those crop tops. So yeah. show your boobs. So show this. So show that because that is the only thing that you find value in. Yeah. And it's just not true. It's a lie from the enemy. Yeah. And it's breaking apart relationships yeah. from the like innermost core. Mm-hmm. And something that's so beautiful, like being married is sex. It's a beautiful thing. And it's so sad to see how the enemy has come in and tried to corrupt it to its very DNA and being. Something that's supposed to be two becoming one has been two separate people just trying to please themselves Mm. and not becoming one. It's like, you know, so it's not working and it's creating heartache and it's creating a lot of trauma in people's mm-hmm. lives because for women, I can speak as a woman, we are emotional beings. Yeah. So if you take emotions out of sex and you make it into just a physical act, there's no reason to continue having sex mm-hmm. because for women, it, it is emotional, whether we like it or not, whether we act like, oh, like we're just as lustful and physical and whatever. It's emotional for women. That's how we're built. So if a guy's emotions are not in it and he uses and treats you as an object, or if a woman is used to seeing that through pornography and expects it in a man, then it's breaking the relationship before it even has a chance. Um, And one last final thing that I was thinking of as he was giving his first point is for women to not put your life on pause mm. until the man comes along. Yeah. A lot of times I've seen so many women, I've spoken this to so many women, do not sit back and wait and think your life begins when your man comes along. No. That's not true. Yeah. Like God has a vision and calling on your life yeah. and he's calling you to ministry and he's going to bring someone along, Absolutely. but it doesn't mean that you have to sit back until a man comes and then tells you what's next you know like god will bring someone along your path and what you're doing to help enable and strengthen what he's already called you to do so callings i feel like in the past we saw callings as like only the man's called and the woman follows but now it's like we're seeing god's calling both genders as a team you know to become one as a team so you a woman doesn't have to sit and wait and say, my direction depends on my husband's calling. No, mm. go to the Holy Spirit and pray and say, God, what do you want me to do? Yeah. What degree do you want me to go into? What job do you want me to do? What part of ministry do you want to be, to be involved in? Mm. And start being faithful in that. Yeah. And God will bring the helper with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, do you know, that's so good. Because it's so real, so raw, and so honest, but I love it. I love it when people are at a place of freedom in their own life, which you both clearly are, to speak so openly and honest, because that's where real freedom comes. People don't want drivel. They want someone to say, do you know what? This is what it looks like in my life, to feel Mm -hmm. like they're not on their own. But the last question I have for you guys with this podcast episode is, right, in the church, I love the church. I love everything about the church. But when you're single, and, and, you know, obviously there's expectation stuff, People make dating awkward. You see two people to go in for coffee and you think they're going to the marriage registry office to sign a life away. It's a cup of coffee. It's some hot milk and a couple of coffee being swirled together in a cup to help them both talk together. I suppose for you guys, um, 
collectively or individually, I don't mind, as a way to close out this podcast episode, um, how can we, and I, I don't think me, because anytime I see people going for coffee, you know, like, I see it from the corner of my eye, but I'm not going to look and go, enjoy it. I'm like, looking at the corner of my eye, I'm like, oh, praise God, this is awesome. I get excited to see this sort of stuff happening because it's a good thing. It's a normal thing for a guy to like a girl and go, I want to bless her with a lunch and just spend some time with her. But my, my rabbit trail aside, how can we make dating less awkward and how can we support people who are single during the dating process? It's a bit of a loaded question, I get it, but I suppose what I'm trying to say is how do you make dating less awkward? That is a loaded question. Yeah. Give me a minute to think about it. Yeah. I think culturally, it really depends on culture. It does. Yeah. Um, like in the States, it's not abnormal for a girl and guy to go for lunch or brunch or coffee and just be friends. It's just in our culture it's not weird at all. And neither one of them are going to go away thinking this person's interested in me, or it's definitely going to go towards dating. It's just, it's just brunch. It's just lunch, you know? So it's culturally, it's a little bit different. So maybe Jordan could expound on it more. Yeah. I mean, I I still find that weird myself because, you know, I'm Irish. I'm like you, Jerry, man. That, that to me sounds like, like platonic relationships like that like a guy and a girl going for lunch though come on you know and that's what i'd be saying even no matter what you see you are no matter what culture you're from i'd still be saying that uh because because you know every like guys like we know we know what guys are like jerry right we are men ourselves so we know what goes on in their brains we know what like you know if a guy is hanging out with a girl having lunch typically not always because i know culture but typically, uh, it's because the guy is interested in that girl. Right. Um, but I, when, I, I want to come to your question about how do we make dating less awkward? Um, I think that's awkward in the sense of um, like the two are just not communicating or... Yeah, like, yeah man, because there's two sides of it. There's, the, there's a guy and the girl who want to date, but the guy is like, how do I say it to her do i send her a voice note do i write her a letter all right but then there's also there's those two a guy and a female but then you've got people who are you know in the church your friends or whatever who can see on a date and make it a big thing when really just keep your mouth closed and support them from the rafters I, i think that you know jerry we live in a very like promoting self-culture where someone's in a relationship they post it straight away in instagram Mm -hmm. and facebook genuinely you know i think it's 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 very irrational because if it might be a good idea and then a relationship falls apart straight away and then your status is down oh well that relationship didn't work out and it's just like what was the point of that yeah Uh, but i think to make things less awkward i think um guys and girls it's good for them to mingle. It's good for them to just talk without any intention of dating. Uh, uh, what I'm saying, I'm saying like, just for example, in young adults, um, mm. you know, for them just to talk as a group, like uh, in a group setting, it doesn't have to be like a guy and a girl has to go out and talk, like talk in a group setting, just get used to talking to the opposite sex and not feel like, oh my gosh, she's a pretty girl. Just talk to the person. And I think, I think we're missing that. I think we like to, 
some Christian and maybe non-Christians just like to jump to the relationship. Yeah. Like for me in Chelsea, just taking from our relationship before relationship, uh, it wasn't long before it became a friendship, the relationship it was very short. Yeah. Maybe a little different than most, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it was so natural. And I can't mm-hmm. stress the importance of that. It was natural in the sense that we were just hanging out. We were just being yeah. friends. None of us communicated anything saying, I want to be in a relationship with you. It was yeah. in a group setting. So yeah. it was easy. We could be ourselves. And it wasn't like, oh, I'm just me and her. So I have to be a certain kind of guy. No, I was just able just to conversate. And, yeah. you know. But also on two different points. Mm-hmm. One, the church I was going to, when we went out to lunch, it was girls and guys together always. It was never the girls and the guys. So that's is partially probably why it wasn't weird if like during the week two people from that group went out to eat I don't know meet up for burgers or something um so it is very natural in that sense like you're just chatting as a group you're hanging out we did lots of young adults like board games and stuff like that at people's houses um so we did a lot of ministry and stuff together but we also spent time in people's houses together so it it wasn't awkward. It became natural. But then the second point is that for girls, I think we do want to know the guy's intentions. Um, but sometimes like it, it's good for guys to get the intentions. Like one example is um, this guy approached me and told me that he liked me and wanted to get to know me more. So I knew his intention And my response was, you can continue getting to know me in group settings Mm. and we'll see where this goes and we can pray about it. You know, so I was like, there's no reason for us to be going on dates yet. If it's like, I think I like you, I want to get to know you better, then great. You can do that in a group setting and that's fine. Um, And then it never progressed from that. But imagine if we would have like immediately gone into like a dating type situation, it would have been really awkward for me to later be like, actually, this is not going anywhere, you know? Mm. So it never progressed past friendship. It never got awkward. Like even afterwards, it wasn't awkward because we both were like, yeah, this isn't really going to work. So let's continue just hanging out in groups like we have been doing. Yeah. Um, so intentions is really good. But then also I've had the flip side of like two serious intentions of like, hey, yeah. I want to marry you. And it's like, whoa, don't do that. Guys who like tell girls, hey, I want to marry you. It freaks them out yeah. because they're like, we haven't that's a lot of steps skipped you know so it kind of will make them on guard but i think the best thing is just to naturally be hanging out with them Mm. it starts with group settings and then as you get to know that person and you're building conversation with other people around it's not just like a you and them thing it's like a whole group so i'm talking to this person then i'm talking to you then we're talking together and so it becomes so natural that mm-hmm. later on, once you spend time with them and you know, mm-hmm. hey, this is someone I'm interested in and I'd like to get to know more personally, then yeah. that's when guys need to come forward. But first, let the natural thing happen mm-hmm. and then come forward and be like, hey, I'm not saying, you know, I'm asking you out on a date yeah. per se. <laughs> I, I want to get to know you better because yeah. I'm interested in you. I'm not asking for anything return on this. I think that Like I'm going to be praying about it. And I want to just casually get to know you better. Um, Do you want to go for a coffee or do you want to go for whatever, a meal sometime, Mm. you know, and you have to read the person because some girls are okay going into a relationship quicker than others. 
So like my friend Tiffany, for instance, she is a slow starter for months. I mean, if you just jump right in, she's going to be like, no, (laughs) you know, like that's too fast, you know? Mm. And then there's other girls that don't mind going into a date sooner because they also want to get to know you better. So you have to be able to read the person because personalities are so different as well. So, but you can only read the person when you spend time in group settings together. Right. So once you're done, you know. I think that's awesome. I think that's an awesome way to end the podcast. You both said it, maybe not directly, but I think over the course of what you both shared, it's it's making communication with someone of the opposite sex in group settings normal. Yeah. Like in young adults, a church, whatever, when you're going for lunch together, um, in ministry together, like, do you know what I mean? Just making it normal, being friendly with them and seeing what happens over time. Do you know, I think that's awesome. Yeah, like, you know, when we hung out, it was with a group. There was yeah. two of yeah. our friends, my brother, because if it was just us, sing, just her and me, like, it might have been a bit weird and awkward. Really awkward. Too many thoughts, yeah. or oh, I'm just with just one person, too much emphasis, too much focus. It wouldn't be natural. And plus, I wouldn't see how she's with other friends or as we're hanging out. So you, you, you can tell a lot about a person, the way they interact with other people around you, and especially right. your own friends. And so that kind of highlights things. Oh, I like that about her. Or I don't like that about her. And so you you get to know a person a lot yeah. before you even mention anything to her that you're interested. Yeah. You know, so it's just another thing to think about. That's awesome. The season they're in. Yeah. If they're in a season of transition, they're not really likely to be ready for mm-hmm. a relationship. That's right. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you know what? Um, I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I have enjoyed everything that was discussed, the, the testimonial side of what you guys shared, the, the practical wisdom, um, because by the grace of God, the next girl I date will be my wife. It's, it's I plan to get married once and once only. And it's stuff like this that I think will be a massive tool in people's hands if they could just take what you guys are saying and maybe journal it, maybe put it into practice, because I know I am. I like talking to people, girls, guys, and everything else in between that. And I think it's been awesome. Um, I do want to just, once again, honor you guys. You give up some of your time. You give up, what is it, an hour, an hour and a half to be a blessing to me, but to, to everyone else as well who's going to listen to this podcast. It's, not only have you been a blessing, but you've been a help. Because I know that when I'm talking to people, I'm listening intently taking notes mental notes and and seeing how it works from a guy's perspective how does it work from a girl's perspective because it also helps me to interact with girls better by being that way so my rabbit trail again gone you guys are awesome you are living legends and i want to thank you so much for just being on the podcast thank you jerry we love being honest man and it was easy for us so really appreciate you man we're a little bit uh we talk a lot, so sorry that it was a little bit longer than you're probably expecting. It's going to be fun editing all of this. <laughs> hey, there's not going to be much edited, to be fairly honest with you. Um, people want the real, raw, and honest, and they're going to get it. They're going to enjoy it. They're going to trust God with it, and you guys are legends. For those of you that have listened to this podcast, thank you for sticking it out. This has been awesome. It has mm-hmm. been incredible to have these guys on the podcast. And for those of you that listen, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And also, don't forget to be naturally normal, to have normal communication with people of the opposite sex, because it's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing. 
to be in yeah. community with not just guys and girls, but together enjoying lunch and that. And don't be afraid to say hello. How are you? But guys, God bless you. And until next time, take care. All the best. Jerry, we love That's you. Jerry, love you, man.